When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time... And welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and bring you back safely. I was staying in South Carolina visiting family. The place was a little in the woods, and they had, of course, a couple of peach trees in their large backyard. It seems to me everyone here in the South has peach trees, the same way that people in the Northeast have apple trees. Mo had not come with me, but I was up at my normal time, earlier than everyone else, and I quietly made a cup of tea and took it outside and pulled a chair from the deck so as to sit under one of the trees. It had been unusually wet for South Carolina for this time of year and was also a little bit chilly, but it now wasn't raining. When I say it was chilly, it was chilly for South Carolina, but for New Hampshire at this time of year, it was quite nice, actually. The sun was coming from behind a misty bank of clouds, and the sky was lightening up. It looked like it was going to be a nice day. In the distance, I could hear traffic. Not far away in a field, an old horse was grazing. I could hear, although not see, chickens. Maybe there would be fresh eggs for breakfast. The farm belongs to a person who brought me here, and there are a lot of cats and dogs here too. I stretched my legs out and took in the morning around me, looking up into the branches of the peach trees. I wasn't expecting to see any fruit on the trees because, at the latest, they end in August, and it was now November. But there was one peach, a large peach. It was about the size of a grapefruit. It was high up in the tree, almost out of sight. And there was something which looked like a dragonfly, busying itself around it, no doubt looking for something sweet to drink in the morning. As I turned a little and stretched to see better, I saw it wasn't a dragonfly, but was something else entirely. Today... We are in the waves, and our first storyteller is the most wonderful Heather Forrest. I interviewed Heather for my podcast, Conversations with Storytellers, and since then we've become friends. We knew each other a little bit before then. She is a self-taught musician who could be likened to the Joni Mitchell of storytelling. Her love of words, something we bonded over, is apparent, and her experimental work with blending music and story is great. This is also one of my all-time favourite stories, period. So I'd like to welcome you to the first time on Story Story Podcast, Heather Forrest, telling the sealskin. Ooh. 
the sea pounded the rocky Icelandic shore and slid like a foaming mirror back into itself. A young fisherman climbed the boulders along the water's edge. The brisk wind whipped his face. He made his way toward a cave opening seeking shelter from the sea spray. As he approached, he heard sweet singing drifting out of the darkness. Coming closer, he saw black seal skins draped over the rocks at the edge of the cave. He crept silently toward one of the skins and snatched it away. Clutching it tightly, he hid behind a rock and stared at the cave opening. Before long, beautiful dark-eyed women emerged from the cave, dressed themselves in the sealskins, and returned to the sea. One woman, however, stayed behind, searching frantically everywhere. Finally, with a shiver and a sigh, she sat sadly on a rock and wept. The fisherman felt his heart swell with an unexplainable longing for the woman. His love for her swept his good sense away, and he could think of nothing but bringing her home with him. He hid her sealskin under some stones and approached the strange woman. She did not flee. He put his coat over her bare shoulders, speaking only with his eyes. He led her to his house. He fed her fish cakes and warm broth. She fell asleep on his bed. The fisherman listened to her quiet, even breathing. He admired her long black hair spread like seaweed over his pillows. He wanted her to stay. When her sleep was deep, he dashed back to the shore, took the sealskin from its hiding place and brought it home with him. While the beautiful woman slept, he hid the skin inside a great chest and locked the lid. The key went into his pocket and he promised himself that he would carry it with him always. Days, weeks, and then months passed. The fisherman treated his unusual visitor so tenderly that she soon loved him, and they were married. To the villagers, they seemed happy enough. But the woman never spoke. And some days she sat for hours on the rocks at the water's edge. Her dark eyes gazed sullenly at the swelling sea. Time passed, and they had seven children together. She cared for them well, but every day the woman would take her children to the edge of the ocean. They would play in the sand as she looked out to sea. Her dark eyes always had such a faraway, sad look. One Sunday, the fisherman took all the children to town. His wife had felt ill and stayed at home. 
As soon as he was gone, she gathered his work clothes scattered in the rush of leaving. A strange key fell from his shirt pocket and landed with a clatter on the floor. It was a mysterious key to the woman, for she had never seen it before. She held it in her hand and looked about the cottage to see what it could open. The chest, covered with a cloth, was long used as a bench. She lifted the covering and pushed the key into the welcoming hole. Hidden in the shadows of the chest, she saw the black sealskin. A gasp washed over her like a wave. She remembered the taste of the ocean and the surging of the tides. She reached into the darkness and pried the sealskin from its hiding place. She grasped it to her heart and dashed out of the door, running, tripping, stumbling to the sea, slipping the skin on. She slid into the water. An eerie song floated over the waves. Some say they heard it. I've seven children on the land And seven in the sea My heart is torn for those I've born Salt tears, my choice must be Though I yearn, I must return to my children She never returned. Yet whenever the fisherman's children walked along the beach, a black seal swam close to shore, tossing jellyfish and colorful shells up on the land to delight them. The fisherman's nets were always full of codfish. He said there was a dark-eyed seal who swam about his boat, splashing the good catch his way. Moonshine Apothecary For those who cannot sleep Coming all the way from the woods of South Carolina The best coastal nocturnal moon remedies are at hand Whether it's stress over working too hard counting the king's coins Or that your blade is never sharp enough If you are worried about your warts or chillblains If you're losing sleep over an impending marriage or adventure Moonshine Apothecary has solutions for you Tinctures, powders, potions And the ever-popular spindle acupuncture method That will help you over the hump of what's bothering you Get your sleep back and visit Moonshine Apothecary now I am very excited to give a shout-out to Christine, one of our newest patrons. Hello, patrons. Thank you for being out there. Hello, Christine, for being one of them. Woohoo! 
Did you know that all patrons of the podcast have special fairy tale talents? For example, Christine can click her heels of her shoes, her red sparkly ones of course, three times and can slightly levitate. It's true. And you can too, if you want a unique fairy tale ability, then become a patron and you'll be a patron of the arts. All of this for as little as $4 a month. Your generous support allows this podcast to reach bigger audiences and grow. A huge thank you to all the patrons who do this and make this podcast possible, especially Christine, because she's our newest member. To join the Story Supporters, go to storystorypodcast.com for more information. And if you want to hear us make up fairy tale facts about you and thank you for an episode, then become a supporter now. The creature I saw buzzing about the oversized peach was not a dragonfly. It was not a butterfly either, nor was it some giant southern bug I had never seen before. Now the fae, the little people, the kind folk, do not like being called fairies, as they are not those Disney-esque creatures, nor the Cottingley fairies photographed by Elsie Wright and Francis Griffiths in 1917. The fae are slender, for the most part, and almost ethereal, but this one, the one in the peach tree, was just like the Cottingley fairies, wispy, with tiny flower petals arranged about its head, gossamer-like clothing and translucent wings, and tiny little shoes with pointy toes. No bells, though. I thought these types of creatures were only found in picture books. Is that a fairy? I whispered to myself. It must have heard me, because at first it took off its wings, making this zipping, whirring noise. But then, just as it became invisible to my eye, it turned around and flew back, heading directly for my face. I have only seen one other such type of creature do this to me before, and that was a hornet. So I began to shrink back and got ready to swat at it with my hand. I did not know if it had a stinger or a wand to poke me in the eye with. The face on this creature looked furious, but as it got closer, it slowed down and hovered before my face. I have a name, you know. Which is? I asked, a little flummoxed. Marianne, she said, with her tiny little hands rolled up in fists on her waist. I, I must have misheard her, for when I replied with Fairy Anne, she became very upset. I'm sorry, it's your accent. I'm having a hard time catching that southern lilt. I never thought those words would come out of my mouth. Irish lilt? Scottish lilt? Maybe, but southern? I'm really sorry. Honestly, I am. I know you are. She looked me over and smiled. I know who you are. What? How? We keep a record of those who have had encounters with the Fae. It's a large... What's the word you would use? Database? Yes, database. Database, depending on where you come from. Well, you've seen quite a few, according to the records. Yeah, phew. I wasn't sure if I was going to get into trouble. You can do something for me. Can you get that peach out of the tree? Sure I can. I wouldn't say that peach trees are easy to climb. Their branches, or at least these branches, grew close together. It made it hard to reach up to the peach. It wasn't a tall tree, but I had to twist and move like a snake to get through the branches. I'm not as agile or thin as I once was and three times I felt my back twinge. The last thing I needed was to get stuck and have to wait for someone to find me trapped in the tree like an old stiff serpent. 
but I got the peach and was able to somewhat slither out of the branches to end up in a pile on the ground. I handed it to Marianne. Can you break it open, please? Certainly. I took back the peach and pressed my thumbs gently into the skin until I was able to part the flesh a little. The juice ran down my thumbs and the smell was amazing. I handed it back. Marianne took the peach and flew to the top of the tree. She turned it over and began to let the juice drip over the branches. Every once in a while, she would squeeze until more juice ran out, and then she started to ask me to help squeeze it a little more, and she finished covering the tree. All I could think of was the sticky mess the tree was now covered in. Thank you. Marianne handed the somewhat squashed peach back to me. You can eat it if you want. Uh, thank you, I said. I looked at the pretty mangled fruit. She giggled. I think Marianne knew I wasn't going to eat it. She darted towards my face and gently knocked my forehead with her hand, or maybe her feet, I couldn't tell, before darting off and vanishing. When I told my hosts, they thought I was making the story up, even though I showed them the oversized peach. Since then, despite showers, I should say, I have had this slight smell of peach in my nose that doesn't seem to want to go away. Here's another of my favourite storytellers, Jenny Cargill Strong. I have never met her nor spoken with her, she's Australian, but I love her work. Jenny is another lover of words and tradition, and here she is telling a story given to her by the traditional people of the land, the Combermeri people. It's a short and beautiful story, but I hope you enjoy this traditional tale. Gawondo. Molly Wuppy. There were once three young sisters who decided to have an adventure. So they packed a packed lunch, waved goodbye to their mum and dad, and off they went. They walked and walked, ate their packed lunch, and kept on walking, until they realised that they were lost in the middle of a huge forest. They saw a light coming from a cottage in the distance, so they went and knocked on the door. An old woman answered the door. Yes? What do you want? And what are three young girls doing all alone late at night in the forest? Hmm? Oh, please, miss, they said. We just like a bite to eat and sit by your fire. Oh, no, dears, for my husband is a giant and he eats children just like you for breakfast. In fact, the only children he doesn't eat is our own three daughters. If you value your lives, you'd best be off with you. But they were so cold... Their teeth were chattering. And they were so tired, they were yawning. (gasps) And they were so hungry, their tummies were growling. So they said, Oh, please, just let us in for a bite to eat and sit by your fire, and we promise we'll be gone long before your husband ever gets back. All right, then, in you come. But you'd best be quick about it. So they sat down by her fire and she gave them some bread to eat and some milk to drink and they were feeling much better when all of a sudden a great knock came at the door. 
Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of an earthly one. The door opened and there stood a huge giant. He said, What have we here, wife? Now, husband, I've told you and I've told you. It's just not nice to go around eating children for breakfast. Don't you harm these girls. You get to your supper, my man, and leave them to me. Now, the giant didn't like to argue with his wife, so he just sat down and gobbled up his huge supper. And you can join in with the sound effects like this. Ready? And then a big giant burp. And then he said, We can't have three young girls wandering all alone late at night in the forest, can we? You shall stay here tonight, where you'll be cosy and warm. And thinking to keep the girls safe, the old wife said, Then they shall stay in the big bed with our own three girls. But... Before they all went to bed, as if in play, that tricky giant put straw necklaces around Molly and her two sisters' necks and gold necklaces around his own three daughters' necks. So while everyone else was fast asleep, <coughs> Molly Wuppy snuck out of bed. She took the straw necklaces off her and her two sisters' necks and the gold necklaces off the three giant's daughters' necks and she swapped them all around so that she and her sisters were wearing gold and the giant's daughters were now wearing straw. Soon she heard the sounds of the giant's footsteps as he walked up the steps and you can slap your thighs. And then she felt as a great hand groped around, feeling for all the necklaces. And when he found the girls with their necklaces of straw, he picked them up out of bed, carried them downstairs and locked them in the cellar, ready to be eaten for breakfast in the morning. Meanwhile, Molly Wuppy wasted no time in waking her two sisters. Wake up! Wake up! We've got to get out of here! So they ran and they ran and they didn't stop until morning. And you can run with them like this. Ready? <sighs> but as the sun rose, they realised that they had stopped right in front of a grand castle. And it was so fine a castle, they knew it had to belong to a king. So Molly went inside and told their story. And when the king heard how Molly had tricked the giant, he said, Molly Wuppy, you are indeed a very brave and clever girl. But if you would do me a small favour, I could marry your eldest sister to my eldest son, the prince. All you have to do is run back to the giant's house, hide under his bed and steal the golden sword that he keeps above his bedhead, for he causes a lot of trouble around here with that sword. What do you say? Hmm, I'll have a go, said Molly. So she ran back to the giant's house, hid under his bed, and soon she heard the sound of the giant eating his supper like this. And you can join in. Ready? And walking up the steps. Next, she heard him fall into his creaky old bed, and it sounded like this. 
Soon, she heard him snoring. Molly snuck out from underneath the bed, leaned over the sleeping giant and got down the sword of gold. And she was just about to go running out of the giant's bedroom when suddenly the sword rattled in its scabbard, waking the giant. So she ran and he ran after her. Ready? Until they came to the bridge of one hair. And you can make your hand into a bridge, and with your other hand, your fingers will be Molly Wuppy's legs. And she could run over it, but he could not. And he said to her, Woe betide ye, Molly Wuppy, if ye ever come here again. And she said, Nyeh, 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 nyeh. I might. She took the sword to the king, and her eldest sister was married to his eldest son, the prince. La, la. After the wedding, the king said, Molly Wuppy, you are such a brave and clever girl that I think you could do me another small favour. Many years ago, that giant stole a bag of gold from me, and if you could bring it back, I would marry your second sister to my second son, the prince. What do you say? Hmm, I'll have a go, said Molly. So she ran back to the giant's house, hid under his bed, and soon she heard... (coughs) 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 Molly snuck out from underneath the bed, slipped her hand under the sleeping giant's pillow and got out the bag of gold. She was just sneaking out of the giant's bedroom when all of a sudden a gold piece clanked on the floor, waking the giant. So she ran and he ran after her until they came to the bridge of one hare and she could run over it, but he could not. And he said, Woe betide ye, Molly Wuppy, if ye ever come here again. And she said, Nya, 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 nya. She took the bag of gold to the king, and her second sister was married to his second son, the prince. La, 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 la. After the wedding, the king said, Molly Wuppy, you are such a brave and clever girl. In fact, you are the bravest and the cleverest person in all my kingdom. No one's ever tricked the giant this well before. And if you could do me one last small favour, not only would I marry you to my youngest son, the prince, but I would appoint you royal giant tricker. All you have to do is go back to the giant's house, hide under his bed, and this time steal the ring that he wears on his finger, for that's what gives him all his strength. Dare you do this, Molly? Well, it did sound very dangerous, but on the other hand, the youngest son, the prince, was so charming and so lovely, so much fun, and being royal giant tricker sounded fantastic, so she said, Hmm... I'll have a go. 
She ran back to the giant's house, hid under the bed, and soon she heard... And... Thump! Molly snuck out from underneath the bed, grabbed the giant's hand and pulled on the ring. But it was stuck, so she had to spit on it. She'd just got it off and was about to go running out of the giant's room when all of a sudden the giant woke up, grabbed her by the arm and said, Ha ha ha, Molly Whoppy, at last I've got you. Now, since you're so very smart, Molly, if someone had annoyed you... As much as you've annoyed me, well, what would you do to them? While the giant held onto her arm, Molly thought of a plan to escape. And then she said, Well, if someone had annoyed me as much as I've annoyed you, why, I'd probably make them climb up a chimney, and then I'd light a fire underneath them, and that would surely teach them a lesson. And the giant, thinking he was very clever indeed, said, Ha ha ha, Molly Wappy, that's just what I'll do to you. So he took Molly to the big kitchen fireplace, made her climb up inside the chimney, and then lit a big fire, just as she told him to. Molly called out, Oh dear, ouch, and help! But all the while, she was climbing up and up inside the chimney all the way to the top. And Molly was well above the heat of the flame long before the giant had even struck his match. The giant's wife came in, saw what he was up to and said, What are you doing in my kitchen? Well, Molly is up in the chimney and I'd say she'd be cooked nicely by now. Oh, you wicked man! The giant's wife poured cold water on the fire, then called up to Molly. Are you all right, dear? Oh, yes. Thank you, ma'am. I'm fine. But tell your husband I'll meet him at the bridge. Who? said the giant. How could she meet me at the bridge? She's meant to be cooked by now. And as it dawned on the giant that he'd been tricked yet again, he was furious. Meanwhile, Molly had clambered down off the roof, and so she ran, and he ran after her, until they came to the bridge of one hair, and she could run over it, but he could not, and he said to her, Woe betide ye, Molly Wappy, if ye ever come here again. And she said, Nya, 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 nya. I won't. She took the ring to the king and she was married, as soon as she was old enough, to the lovely youngest son, the prince. La 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 And was appointed royal giant tricker. The king sent for Molly's parents, who came and lived in luxury in the palace with them, but they never heard of that giant ever again. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. I hope you enjoyed Heather's and Jenny's stories and their voices. 
Show the love, find both of their stories and storytelling online and tell them you heard about them on this podcast. And now you want to hear them tell more stories. We are still in strange times for performing artists, but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live virtual storytelling are abundant. Go and find your favorite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know that you can connect with the podcast and see the fairy tale sponsor ads on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast? And you can also connect with me at Simon M. Brooks on Instagram and also check out In the Woods with Mo. And I'm on Facebook and my website is Simon Brooks Storyteller. Diamond Scree? Yep, that's me, the English fella and storyteller. While you are there, let us know your favorite story or a favorite story that you have heard or the favorite story of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor came from Rachel Ann Harding. The inspiration for the true fairy tale came from another recent walk in the woods by Mo and also being in South Carolina. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you, Christy. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. I think I might pop over to Moonshine Apothecary, and there's a word, and try that spindle acupuncture treatment. You'll hear more stories next week, but until then, <laughs> live happily ever after. Hmm. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. nor the Cottingley fairies photographed by Elsie Wright and Francis Griffiths in the 1917s. The 1917s? What does that mean? <laughs> Jeez. I don't know why I love you, but I do. Wah, 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 wah. Wow, 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 wow.